you really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics found on the web at almosthevenathletics.com. Here today to recap the ninth game of the 2019 West Virginia season that saw the Mountaineers fall to the Texas Tech Red Raiders by a score of 38-17 to this past Saturday. And joining me to help me recap this game are two members of the Almost Heaven Athletics family. We have my co-host, as always, Brad. Bradley. How's it going, everybody? And we have Steven. What's up, Mountaineer Nation? All right, so good to have you back, fellas. Uh, yeah. You know, scheduling conflicts kind of made it hard the past uh, past week or so, but got the whole team back together, so that's always nice. Um, you know, not, not the best time right now for uh, Mountaineer football, wins and losses-wise anyway, but uh, glad to have you guys here, glad to talk about it. So uh, let's get into this loss to Texas Tech with some uh, opening thoughts. Uh, what are your opening thoughts following this loss, uh, Stephen? Um, you know, I know a lot of people in the fan base right now are kind of upset with uh, how things are going, but, you know, you got to look at, uh, you got to view the, the glass half full, not half empty at this point. You got to realize what kind of uh, spot that we're in with the injuries and the transfers and, uh, you know, just everything that adds up and how many true freshmen that we're playing. Uh, you got to look and see the bright side. And I think the bright side right now for West Virginia is that the future uh, uh, looks very bright uh, in terms of experience and those, and those young guys getting better for next season. And then, the, you know, those, because after Neil Brown's speech yesterday, you know, they got three more years of eligibility after this year. So they're looking to be pretty darn good. So, for sure, for sure. Well said. Uh, Bradley, what about you? Anything you want to add? I I can't believe we've already been through nine games. That last game I showed up, I went, uh, actually got lucky enough to get a ticket from my buddy Ryder. Uh, nice. Shout out Ryder. Yeah, I wasn't planning on going because it was so cold and I was getting sick. But I got those tickets. I showed up straight up to about two minutes left in the fourth quarter and had to call it on that. Um, it was a tough game to watch, but it wasn't, we didn't lose it as bad as some people are making it out to be. I mean, they got one field goal in the second half, right? That's all they made. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we outscored them seven to three in the second half, I believe. So it was a, it was a rough start for sure. But you know, the second half of the game, they played better. It was just you know too far of a hole at that point. Yeah. I think it was. It's a tough loss. It's, I hate going three and six and uh, just seeing so many young guys out there. But I mean, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, trust the climb. You know, year zero, as some people have uh, have t- termed it. So, I mean, it's just a thing of uh, you know, building for the future at, at this point. As I think a lot of us realized it would be going in. And um, I'm glad, Stephen. I'm glad you mentioned the the Neil Brown's comments after the game. Um, specifically the end of his post game press conference. I definitely wanted to reference that here. And uh, I think that I'm sure that a lot of our fans have probably heard that message. But um, even if not, I think it deserves um being hurt again so uh we'll go ahead and we'll play that message uh neil brown's message to mountaineer nation uh following the game saturday and following the loss uh just a message he really wanted to get across to the fans and to mountaineer nation and here's what he had to say i want to leave this in closing okay and y'all make sure you include this right and um and and this is this is really for our fans okay is i appreciate them being here they were here for our man trip 
at 9.30 in the morning and it was in the, in the upper 20s, low 30s. They were supportive, right? They were here through the bad first half. They were here through the second half, and a high percentage of them stayed. And I appreciate that, and that absolutely does not go unnoticed, okay? And we're not playing very well as a football team right now, okay? And we, we've got a ton of work to do in this program, all right? But I'll tell you, and this is, this is probably going to be is, is, um, on our, one of our worst days, but I'll tell you right now is we will build a successful program here. And, and it doesn't look like it right now, but because of them, all right, and for them, we will, we will be successful here. We will be, absolutely be successful here. And there's some growth pains right now, and it is. It is what it is. Nobody, I promise you, nobody is more frustrated with anything that's going on in the football field than me. I can promise you that, right? But we have a high percentage of guys that are going to be back, and not only going to be back for one year, but they're going to be back for three years. And they will significantly get better. We'll do a better job coaching them, and there will be a product on the field that will match the fans that we have. All right, so as you can see, it's, you know, in essence, it kind of boils down to the uh, to the trust the climb uh, message again that, that Neil Brown has, has had and, you know, just assures the fans, you know, he knows it's bad football kind of right now, but he, he wants them to, you know, know that they will build a successful program here and that though he appreciates the fans and he loves the fan base and he wants to do it for the fans and have a program that – that success on the field matches the intensity of the fan base that West Virginia has. And I, and I really love that message and got chills the first time I heard it. Um, what about you guys? What were your thoughts when you first heard the, uh, the message from Neil Brown there addressing the fans um, so blatantly there following the game? Uh, what do you think, Bradley? I think this is a Neil Brown play if I've ever seen one. I mean, the man just knows what he's doing. And he loved this fan base. is a big reason why I think he came to WVU because he's looking for that that kind of brand that you just don't find anywhere outside of Appalachia. I mean, let's be honest. It's just that, it's that, it's that feeling, that home, that family, that just like what you got to be. If you can't, rec- we're never going to be able to recruit the best players in the world or the country. But you know, we can definitely train, like build the best team in the world. You have, and that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to work harder than those who are more talented. You and No Brown knows that, and that's what he's building towards. And that's been the brand he's been on ever since he's come here. He's never made it a question. He's never made it a doubt. I think he got lucky, and he had a group of really strong, talented young men who were eager to get out there and play after their head coach up and left to Houston because it was going to be a trash fall this year. And he, he saw like a little glimpse, and he's like, man, these are some really talented players that are really hungry, and we've got a chance to do something great this year. And, you know, you might have jumped the gun on it a little bit, got everybody like, – well, they kept the expectations real for us, but it wasn't we, – we weren't done to see the talent that this team has and not think that they could have – still made something out of this year if they didn't run into the injuries that they've had. And once that kind of like starts laying in, I think Neil Brown just – it's made him understand even more that we're going to be here even when we're losing, and it hurts, but we're here to ride it out, and we are trusting in the climb. But it, it's just – I feel like it's just on brand for Neil Brown. 
absolutely. I think he really he believes in himself and and his and his process, and I think he knows that that he can get it done here and, and what he can do in the future with with this program. And he really uh, believes strongly in that, and that just you know makes you really proud to hear that. You know, uh, like I said, give me chills the first time I heard it, and you know every, every subsequent time that I've watched it as well. You know, almost brings brings a tear to your eye, makes you proud to have someone with that type of passion that wants this program to be great and recognizes the fan base is great as well and uh, the the passion that they have and wants a program that that reflects that and and honors that as well um Stephen what about you what were your thoughts when you heard coach Brown's message to the fans on on Saturday um I'm I'm a lot like you I got chills uh, as soon as I heard it um it it was kind of reminiscent for me of of the 2010 basketball version or uh, basketball season with Bob Huggins uh, towards the end of the season, whenever he was talking to Tony, uh, you know, and he gave that big speech. And then, you know, we, uh, of course, went on to go to the Final Four that year. But, um, you know, it was that kind of a feel to it to me. Um, it just it, – it honestly proves, I think, how much he cares uh, because a lot of times I think, you know, the fans lose sight of that. And, you know, you got the naysayers out there in the fan base and, you, you know, they comment just off their, the top of their head on a whim. Uh, without thinking about it, but uh, you know, I don't think that anybody that actually follows this team believes that we should have a new head coach. Uh, I, the man is the man for the job for a reason, a right? He's that is the smartest football coach that West Virginia, um, in my opinion, has ever had. Um, I, I, I think I he's think so. more intelligent, um, uh, just in general about the game of football, and I think that you can see that in every single game. Um, I know that at one point in the game, we were down 35 to 10, and our our guys are down 35 to 10, and are over on the sidelines, huddled up as a whole football team, jumping up and down, jumping up and down to the bouncing. music, bouncing and throwing their towels, still yep. fighting, and I said, I remember trusting saying to myself, and yep. go ahead, Bradley. Sorry, I remember I remember saying to myself, I'm like, you would never think we were losing right now because they were bouncing. I'm like, we are down 35 to like. Something I'm like, this is, and we are bouncing right now. I'm like, you wouldn't even think we were losing this game. Yeah, I remember saying that to myself. I know exactly. That what speaks you're about. volumes to me. Um, you know, especially you know, I've the comment that um, I think that I think this is why the team is is the way you know has that morale, and I've I've been speaking about it all season about the morale of this football team and how up that it is. You know, considering what kind of a record that we have right now. Right. Uh, and I think that a lot of the reason for that is they see how much that this fan base as a whole trusts in them. Because as Neil Brown touched on in his speech, um, the fan base stayed through that butt whooping on Saturday pretty yeah. much through the fourth quarter until they scored that final, uh, that final field goal. And I honestly, I haven't seen that in a very, very long time. I've, I got season tickets for the first time in 2007, you guys. And let me tell you something. That season, nobody left because they expected us to win every game. Right. The next season, whenever they got Bill Stewart, it kind of you know started to trickle down. By the time Dana Holgerson got there, if we were getting blown out by at least two or three scores in the first quarter, everybody was gone, especially the students. Nobody was staying. I agree. It's definitely uh, the fan base has definitely turned with with the hiring of, of Neil Brown. It feels feels united again, and I and I think that's part of the reason why um, he wanted to go out and and, and 
have that message because you know he prefaced it saying you know I want to make sure y'all include this and this is really this is for the fans because I think he knew you know after a fifth straight loss that the uh, the fan base he didn't want them to be teetering and you know he didn't want uh, any doubts about where where this program was going and he just wanted to reassure reassure them you know continue trusting the climb I know it's hard right now but uh, in the future this this is going to pay off essentially. The very near future, I believe, too. I think uh, I think by next season, West Virginia bumps it up to at least seven, eight wins. I, I could see that for sure. I could see that for sure. It's it's just a matter of um, you know get getting these players' experience now, but you know also plugging in a couple other pieces that you can hopefully land in recruiting. And I think West Virginia will be able to do that. You know, I think these guys are really going to hit the uh, recruiting trail hard over this next month, especially once the once the season ends. So I'm anxious to see how that shapes up uh, recruiting wise, but. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely love the comments by Neil Brown there, and definitely still trusting the climb. But um, as far as as the game, uh, the game itself against Texas Tech, uh, you know, the offense actually put up you know their best day statistically, numbers wise. The problem was, of course, you know they had a the few turnovers, but also just the they couldn't get in the end zone once they got into the red zone. You know, if West Virginia scores on the red zone trips, this is a close game and West Virginia might even win this game. Uh, I think, you know, the, the defense had a little letdown, which I was worried about. You know, I discussed it on the previous podcast. When you have a game like that, sometimes you can rest on your laurels and be two up. But I think that the offense, you know, played well, you know, as, as kind of was expected, Texas Tech, one of the more weaker defenses in the Big 12, but just uh, wasn't able to punch it in the red zone, which really hurt. But uh, what did you guys see from this West Virginia offense? Uh, did you like their performance um, as far as, you know, having some success moving the ball? Um, just what are, your, what are your thoughts about West Virginia's offense in this game against Texas Tech? Uh, what do you, what you thinking, Bradley? Uh, it was kind of a hard game to watch. Only putting up 17 on Texas Tech. I mean, I really didn't think we'd go in there and absolutely – Lay an egg. I felt like we just had a hard time to get things going, and when we did get things going, we just had momentum killers. I felt like we had some nice, solid drives there at the end of the half, like the second half. And you have, like, I mean, we're actually moving the ball for the first time in the game, and Austin Kendall throws an interception into triple coverage, and that it kills it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. And it's just our offense is struggling. It's been the same things we've been talking about all year, and the line and the wide receivers can't really are blocking that hard on the edge, and you know, we're getting no shove, and our running backs are going north and south, and just Austin Kendall's getting crushed. And even when he is getting time and, you know, being able to read offenses and stuff, he's double pumping and throwing into triple coverage. So it's just there's a lot of things that are wrong. And it was a little painful. Sam James is a freaking menace on like against defenses. I don't uh, Superstar don't know in the making. Ever. Seriously. And you've been preaching it all year, honestly. Guys, an absolute uh, I love man. I love that guy. Yeah, he's uh he's gonna be special. I think he can be one of the greats. Uh, he's had had a little issue with the drops. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I was about to touch on that. <laughs> had a little issue with the drops, but uh, that's something that's correctable. And and every other aspect, I think, has been has been solid. So I mean, if I think with more experience, uh, I think it's just a focus issue sometimes. And I think you know if he can get that under control, this guy can really can really be really be special. But uh, as far I as mean, the, yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Bradley. How, how mad can you get at him when he's getting, you know, like tw- how many targets a game? You know, like 19, I mean, 20 think, targets a game. Yeah, I think he had almost 20 targets in that that's game. What I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to get drops as a freshman, but he's catching 14 of them for 223. Like, and I, honestly, if we have a better quarterback, he's taking a few of those to the house. He should have had 300 yards. I mean, let's, uh, I he mean, should have had 300 yards. 
Because, I mean, the couple 50-yard yeah. catches he had should have both been long touchdowns. If, if, the, if he gets hit in stride, I mean, he had he had almost five yards on the on the guy that was covering him. So, you know, it's one of those yeah. things. It was, nice to see, it was nice to see George Campbell do something other than catch touchdowns, even though I would have loved for him to catch <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, he looked he looked great out there. He's yeah, he's was, quick, and I, and I thought he filled in very well with T.J. Simmons being out. They moved him over in there to the slot some, and it worked out great for him. And you know he made he made some plays, and I, and I liked seeing that as well. And I hope that he continues to be more involved here in in, in the final three games. Um, Stephen, what about you? Anything you want to add in regards to the offense's performance? Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I liked other than the red zone play. I thought we played a very Good offensive game. I mean, we we, we had uh, what 550 total yards. We had four 500 passing. Um, we did, really didn't go, do the greatest job on uh, on the ground, but we haven't done that all season. Yeah. Uh, the, I still rest on the fact that um, the offensive line has it's just atrocious. I mean, let's face it, the, the guys block up front for. 70% of the time, then the other 30% of the time, they look like they don't know what they're doing out there. And I don't know if that's attributed to the fact of um, just adjustments made on the opposing defensive line or what. You know, you got a few key guys missing, of course. You got uh, Josh Seals out for the season. That hurts you big time. And you got, a, you know, the whole front line is littered with freshmen. And it was a big question mark going into the season anyway. But, you know, I, for what our offensive line was, I – and I know the score didn't, re, you know, reflect it at all. But I thought we played a really good offensive game, and I think if we can just get those, if we can get them to finish in the red zone, we we could be, we at least at least have three more wins this season, and we're already bowl eligible. Yeah, it's a, the red zone struggles have been have been killer, and I think it's just kind of the little things. You know, we touched on the drops a little bit, and it's not only been Sam James, even though he's you know struggled with a couple of those as of late. But uh, you know, West Virginia leads the Big Twelve. West Virginia's wide receivers lead the Big Twelve in drops, and when you got a team that's you know you can't make the little mistakes like that, you almost have to play as near perfect game as you can when it comes to little things. You know, turnovers, drops, missed assignments, things like that offensively when you have a team as inexperienced and young as West Virginia is, you need to play near perfect uh, to be able to, you know, get it done. And, and West Virginia just hasn't done that in, in these games, especially these five five consecutive losses. And um, I want to go back and talk, you know, still talking offense. I want to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, of course. Uh, you know, this is the big discussion point. You know, Austin Kittle's taking his criticism. And, and you know, for the most part, I've, I've defended him pretty pretty much. And I, and I think that he's done uh, – played admirably I think he showed toughness I think that uh turnovers have been a bit of an issue but you know that's not all on him either my my one gripe with him is you know something we mentioned is just his deep ball accuracy isn't really there I don't know if he just doesn't have the arm strength I don't know if it's due to the injury to his hand but you know a couple of those plays should have been long touchdowns if the receiver didn't have to wait on an underthrown ball and even the interception he threw in the end zone on the flea flicker Sam James was behind the defense but he also underthrew that one as well but I, I think that he's done all right and you heard Neil Brown say in the post game that you know West Virginia's problem is not quarterback, and he wishes that it was quarterback just because that would be an easy fix. But nonetheless, Jarrett Dakey finally does get into the game late third quarter, plays the whole fourth quarter as he can now play these final four games and still redshirt uh, this season. Uh, got a big ovation from the crowd. Um, what were your guys' thoughts, uh, opinions on Dakey's performance and just kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit of a assumed quarterback controversy now uh, moving forward? What are you thinking, Stephen? Uh, I thought he did well. Uh, I'm one of the guys, of course, that's a fan of Austin Kendall. I don't think that it's a quarterback problem. 
Uh, but I did like to see Jared Dickey get in there just for the sheer fact of, you know, giving the fans something to see. Everybody wants to see him. Let's see him. What's it going to hurt? Um, moving forward, uh, I know a lot of people are expecting Jared Dickey to get the start this coming weekend. I still think they're going to give it to Austin Kendall. I think they're going to give it uh, to him because they want this to be his team. Um, I, I, my prediction for the rest of this season in terms of quarterback play, is Austin Kendall's probably going to start. I mean, pending injury, he's going to start the rest of these games. And then in the offseason, you're going to have a quarterback battle again. But, I mean, unless something, unless he starts messing up even more, I mean, I think we'll see kind of a dual quarterback system. You'll see Jared Decky get in there sometimes, and you'll see Austin Kendall get in there sometimes, mm-hmm. um, kind of like we did this past weekend. And, you know, I could be wrong. But no, I no, just I feel like the way that he's he and, and they released another depth chart, I think it was yesterday mm-hmm. and Austin Kendall was still at the top of it. So uh, yeah, I think Neil Brown wants Austin Kendall to be his quarterback right now. I think so, too. And, and uh, Neil Brown was asked about it in his press conference uh, earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on, on Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening. And, uh, you know, he said they have a plan at quarterback. He said he's not going to give it out because he doesn't want Kansas State to know. He said, but they have a plan. He said they're going to work it this week and, you know, go from there. And he said, you know, the fans and, and media can see, you know, what the plan is on Saturday. So it's kind of just wait and see at this time. So it would definitely be a big point of discussion moving forward. I'm kind of like you. I kind of agree that that's what I think will happen. But, I, however, I I kind of would like to see um, you at least let Jarrett Deggie start these final three games, um, let Austin Kendall's hand heal, you know, give him time to do that. And then that way he's fully healthy and they're both, and Jarrett Deggie has experience, Austin Kendall can get healthy and they both uh, have starting experience and uh, enter that uh, quarterback competition in the offseason kind of on a similar footing. That's that's what I'd like to see. Don't know if we will see that. I kind of lean more to what you're saying about like Austin Kendall idea, probably though. being. I, I do yeah. like that idea. Yeah, I, th- I think that, it, I mean, I, why not at this point? You know, the bowl game's not out the window, but, you know, you're really, you know, kind of hanging on by a thread there as far as uh, bowl game eligibility. But, uh, Bradley, what about you? What are you thinking as far as these uh, quarterbacks? I've been and I've been a, a fan of Austin Kendall. I think he's done a good job with what he's had all year. I think I've stayed pretty consistent on that message. But this game last Saturday, I think it's just – it, this next game, I guess, will tell me a lot about how Neil Brown sees the rest of the season when it comes to his quarterback play. I think if it's me, even though I'm not a Neil Brown or I'm not anybody special, but I would like to see Jared Dagey get at least half the snaps. I'd even throw in some Trey Lowe in there. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm 100% behind Austin Kendall anymore. I don't know if I can be behind that. Yeah, it's not necessarily his fault, but I and I don't think it's – I don't think it's any fault of his own that I'm losing faith in him being our starting quarterback. It's just I, he does not have what it's going to take for this kind of team to be successful. I agree. At least not by himself. And I guess that's where you get in, throwing in both of them in there every now and then, switching it up. I just don't think Austin, Austin Kendall has the toolkit to make this team any better than what it is right now. I think we've seen that. I don't think that perspective has changed. He just – he doesn't have the evasiveness. He doesn't have, you know, the, the just mistake erasing possibility that we need in order for this team to win games right now. And I think that frustrates Neil Brown because he sees the potential in Austin in the future. But if he wants to win right now, if he wants to try to snag some more of these games towards the end of the season, I don't think we're going to do that through Austin Kendall's arm this year. I just don't think it's in the playbook. I don't think we've got the line for that. And I, it could be with him, you know, getting thrown in every now and then on – second, third down, just to mix things up, you know, 
just give them a different look. But I just think we need to try something a little bit different just to see if we can, you know, catch up a little bit of a surprise on these next few games. And I think he will do that. I think that's why he's keeping it a little close to his chest maybe. No, I agree agree with that. And I I think, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you need to make big plays with this offense. You know, the run game's not there. And so I think, you know, if Jarrett Dagey has a stronger arm, which all indications are that he does, you know, you kind of need that to hit some of these accurate deep balls. And I I liked what I saw from Dagey in general. I liked his uh, uh, this in the pocket. I like, yeah, his ball seems like it has more zip on it. And so – yeah, I'd like to see more of Daggy, you know, going forward in these three games, whether he starts or not. I'd like to see him start. If he doesn't, you know, so be it. But because uh, somebody like Daggy, Kennedy McCoy back there, you know, you never know who you're going to snap to. Because we've been running some of that Kennedy yeah, McCoy Wildcat. wildcat. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you do like a little handoff to Daggy and have him throwing the ball, you, yeah, you got you, options. You, you do, and I think that that would be, I mean, oh, that would help our line out a ton, just giving decent like something. To you know, make the defense hesitate and give our linemen a chance to get their feet up and chugging and moving like they're supposed to be, and they're not. You know, that's what we're going to have to have. And I, I think that's why I've come off Austin Kendall a little bit, and I don't think it's any fault of his own. I think he just doesn't have what it would take to make this team viable right now. No, no I, I agree with that. And, and I, you know, the thing is you're having to throw the ball a lot because you don't have a running game. I was looking at it statistically. Uh, West Virginia is on pace to, to – finish with under a thousand yards rushing as a team which i believe would be by far the worst in west virginia football history i think when i looked at it the closest to that was 2100 yards uh i can't remember i think it was some year in the 90s or something they had 2100 rushing yards and this team's on pace to finish with 900 some and so that's really detrimental and i just i can't you know that that was kind of going to be the strength everyone thought was the running game so that's really been a big surprise but you know, this offense in general hasn't been hasn't been very good. And and I think, you know, in the past, you know, West Virginia went three and nine and uh Rich Rodriguez's first season, you still had some good offensive bright spots. I think you had a twelve hundred yard rusher when West Virginia went four and eight in two thousand thirteen. Uh you still had offensive bright spots, you still had a team that could score points. Charles Sims was a thousand yard rusher that year, had nearly a thousand yards receiving as well, I think. So uh which bodes the question to me. I think that in my lifetime it is. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't really know about beyond them, but I would say that it's close. But my question to you guys is, is this one of the worst, if not the worst, offenses in West Virginia football history? Um, what do you think, Stephen? Um, it's it's a bad offense. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've I've had talks with my grandfather who grew up in, you know, going to school there in the 60s. And he's, you know, seen the teams in the 50s and 60s and told me about how bad those guys were. Uh, still yet, I I think this is up there. I think this has probably got to be top within the top five at least, maybe top maybe top three. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle, and you know that's why when the defense has a game like they did against Texas Tech, uh, where they're not performing their best, it's hard for West Virginia to win. West Virginia's defense really has to put out a top notch performance because their offense just hasn't been getting it done. You haven't they haven't scored twenty points in. In these five consecutive losses, you know, it's been, you know, 14, 14, 14, 17 in the past four games. So uh, Which, it's been really How tough. long has it been, though, since we've what, since it's been that way for WVU? I mean, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's polar opposite. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bradley, Bradley, what about you? I mean, how, how bad is this offense in your eyes? Is it one of the worst in school history? Or, I mean, what are you looking at it with the silver lining? What do you think? Well, I can't, I, I, unlike Stephen here, I did. None of my family ever watched Mountaineer football. I was, you know, the the first Mountaineer fan of my family. I feel like, and I I didn't really start watching it until you know I was about you know uh, 2007 2008 season. I feel like 
is when I first started watching. And this is definitely the worst offense I've seen. I mean, yeah, it's worst in my life. I didn't, Thompson, so I've been I, watching I didn't, yeah. As you sat there and told me that we're not on pace to hit a thousand yards rushing in the season, I actually thought like that's a lie. Like, there's no way that could be possible. And that because that's just embarrassing. Like, it's it's that, bad. Yeah. Not even especially, trying almost. <laughs> especially if I would if I would have sat back and told both of you guys at the beginning of the season, hey, listen, by the by the tenth game of this season, we're going to be three and six, and we're not going to be like we're not even going to be on pace to hit a thousand yards this season. You would laugh in my face. I mean, maybe not the three and six part. Like I've got rid of it. But if I told you like we weren't even going to be on pace to hit a thousand yards, like you would both laugh in my face. Oh, I would have thought that we might have had a thousand yard rusher, much less not hit a thousand. Yeah, I think yards that was actually team, one of the you know? questions in the prediction roundtable. It was. I, not, not I, I don't think I, anybody I said yes. But. Yeah. So I mean that that was that was going to be the strength. So you know it's it's been it's been a it's been a weird season. You know just as far as the things that have happened and, and kind of the way things have gone, as opposed to the ways that we kind of thought they they would go in, in a lot of ways, but. uh uh, flipping over before we wrap up and talk about you know the defense's performance a little bit. Uh, uh, rough start. Texas Tech scores on each of their first five possessions. Uh, we're getting whatever they wanted in the middle of the field, passing game wise. Uh, when West Virginia was in that three safety look that they played against Baylor, Texas Tech really game planned for that well, and you know had some things down the seams and 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 you know downfield. Uh, I heard during the broadcast that Vic Coning worked i think he said over 30 hours on, on screens because that's what texas tech has ran a lot this year and texas tech comes out and didn't even run a single screenplay in the first half and attack downfield so it was really just you know the worst possible situation for west virginia as far as you know what they game planned for wasn't what they got and texas tech you know showed some some different things that, than what they expected and west virginia had to adjust to that and unfortunately by that time that they did in the second half uh, when the defensive performance was better west virginia was just too far behind to come back at that point but um what are your guys' thoughts on the defensive performance? Uh, do you think it'll be kind of an anomaly going forward? And, you know, these next three games kind of see the defense uh, revert back to the kind of uh, capabilities that they've shown earlier in the season and most recently in that game against Baylor? Or do you think that it's just kind of people are going to be able to expose it with the injuries and, and young faces uh, that we have going forward? Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on the defensive performance, Bradley? Uh, the defense – First half was awful. Second half, I mean, you know, gave up three points. Can't really chirp too much on them on the second half. But, yeah, the first half, they were just ugly. And, I mean, I they've been stellar all year, but the Stills brothers laid a little bit of an egg. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If you look at it, our offense, <laughs> we had just as many offensive players or offensive players just made just as many tackles combined as the two Stills brothers. Mm-hmm. And so we had four offensive players with at least one tackle, and the Stills brothers only had two tackles each. So it's yeah, it's it's rough when those guys aren't getting in there making plays, and you know, and, and Texas Tech to their credit has a great offensive line. I think uh, Coach Brown said that he he considered it to be the second best offensive line in the Big Twelve behind Oklahoma probably, and they did a great job. You know, uh, West Virginia eight sacks in the game before, zero against Texas Tech. So uh, the offensive line of Texas Tech did a great job, and you got to tip their cap to them. But at the same time, you hope that West Virginia bounces back from that. And as much as maybe they were riding too high coming into this game, they'll be hungry going into the next game, hopefully. But, uh, yeah. Steve, what something... about oh, – go, go ahead, Bradley, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, something else you can look at is when it comes to tackles and stuff. We have a safety with ten tackles, a safety with five tackles. Like our leading tacklers are a safety, a safety – a cornerback, a safety, and a cornerback. You know, those are not the dudes you want making your tackles. 
Yeah, well, these are in the second, third levels, and they're they're already that, past your front line. Yeah, that's you know they're getting downfield too much when when you got that happening for sure. I, I agree with that. So you know, hopefully we'll see uh, better performance uh, moving forward. And you know, you got a team coming up uh, this coming week in Kansas State who likes to you know run a little power run. So maybe be some more opportunities, and it's going to be more of a game in the box. So we'll see what West Virginia draws up for that one. But uh, Stephen, what was your thoughts on the, on the West Virginia defensive performance and just kind of this defense in general? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it was largely due to the fact that, like you said, they game plan for the wrong thing. Uh, you know, with young faces and, and you then add that into the mix, it's not going to add up very well for you. Um, so I think that's a lot of the reason that, that they played like that in the first half on Saturday. Um, I, I think another reason for that is after, you know, the Baylor performance, the Seals brothers getting all that attention, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. get – you're going to get some some double teams coming your way if you get that much attention. It's just oh, yeah. how it is. It's true. Uh, so the more the attention that those two are going to get, the more they're going to you know, face double teams and, you know, those pool guards. Um, so I, I do think that Vic Koning is a very good defensive coordinator, and I think that he will adjust in the future. Uh, I don't think that this will last very much, uh, very long in terms of uh, – ineffectiveness on defense i think that by next week you won't see that kind of a game next week defensively i don't know about offense like we we've already learned we don't know what to expect out of the offense Um, but i think earlier in the season you know i i kept saying that west virginia needed to find themselves an identity and uh, regardless of the score this past weekend i still believe that west virginia has found their identity in the defense Oh yeah, definitely. I I agree with that, uh, for, for sure. You know they've 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 got a hard nosed defense, and they know they know what they want to do on that side of the ball. Specifically, and, defensive line though, too. Yeah, the defensive line is is still strong. You know they had an off game, but like you said, those guys were double teaming the Steels brothers, and the other guys kind of couldn't get off their blocks. You know, not 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 a knock on them. As I said, Texas Tech strong offensive line, but hopefully you know what like learns from things. it. You can say you know we put a lot of pressure on Sam James as a freshman to still you know. Can't, oh, yeah. We don't expect him to have, like we can't have him have a bad day. It's the same thing for the Stills brothers. Right. We can't oh, we can't absolutely. look at it one way and not look at it the other way. Because you hear No Brown talking about saying you know, Sam James like can't have a bad day. He's too talented to have a bad day. We he's he is what we are right now. Mm-hmm. Well, think and about how much pressure. Yeah. Think about how much pressure is on the Stills brothers now. I mean, you got Josh Chandler goes down. You got Vendarius Cowan goes down. You got Quind- I mean, all these guys behind them. You know, the second level. They're supposed to be helping these guys out, aren't there anymore? So they're literally getting all of the pressure put on their shoulders now. Uh, I mean, you got Reuben Jones, and you got a couple of those other guys that can help carry the load. But I mean, you, yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, you've been playing a lot of inexperience. It it just you know it's hard. Yeah, you've been it's, playing like one linebacker. You know, the past couple two or three weeks, you've been you know having a one linebacker alignment because you just don't have the guys right now. One or sometimes two in there, but most of the time it's just been you know uh, just one linebacker and kind of a three one seven look on, on defense almost. So it's really been kind of kind of different kind of di- different you know uh, for West Virginia since those linebackers have gone down and you know that does uh, create more pressure on the Sills brothers and if, and if they're not getting in there it makes it really hard for your for your defense as well because I mean you got young guys in the in the back end yeah and they and, can't and, cover you know, up long enough to yeah really exactly if you're not in. if you're not getting pressure and the quarterback has time it's it's going to be a long day yeah because I mean the longer the quarterback holds the football the easier it is for those receivers to get open and those guys in the secondary to get lost because, I mean, all it takes is one of those long moves while a guy turns his head and the guy's gone. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that that comes with experience. I, you know, it's like everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I will tell you. That, playing the I game feel, to learn how to play the game. 
I feel like in the next like two, three years, we will have one of the grossest defensive backs and wide receiver groups. I think so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I so. that's just, it's just know, too much experience. I know that everyone says it every single year, and I'm usually one of the people that, you know, come after the guys that talk about winning a national championship year in and year out. But I, I, what I see out of this team, and I know, like, you know, like Neil Brown said the other day, I know it's hard to see it now, but I, I promise you guys, within next, like I said, next year, I believe we're going to bump up to about seven to eight wins. By year three, year four, I mean, we. Sky's the limit. That's the limit. Yeah. I'm, it's no telling what we could accomplish. If we got guys that stay and don't transfer out, you know, for the majority, and we keep all that experience and we just keep adding to it with depth every single year, and Neil gets his guys in here that he recruits, look out. <laughs> Watch Absolutely. out, Big I'm telling you right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, because, you know, they, you got to think about it. You know, these guys that are freshmen now, you know, they're going to be juniors and seniors. And when you got a team full of juniors and seniors starting that have been in the same system with hopefully, you know, mostly the same coaches, hopefully there's not a lot of staff attrition uh, during this time. And, you know, it's, it's going to be special to see. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see this program continue to build. You know, you're laying the foundation this year. You know, it may not be the best record-wise, but next year, like you said, get to a bowl game, you know, maybe even seven, eight wins, and just continue to build it, stair-step this program, and get it to a level that uh, Neil Brown wants it at and, and hopes to achieve and believes that he will achieve. So I'm really excited about it and, and you know, looking forward to it. Um, before before we wrap up, uh, any final thoughts you guys uh, want to give here as far as this uh, Texas Tech recap? Uh, Bradley, any final thoughts? I've been saying it all year. I'll keep saying it, speaking into existence. Trust the climb, guys. It's Neil Brown. I, 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 the guys give me no reason to doubt him. Yeah, it's not a beautiful time, but I'm, I'm excited for the future of Mountain Nation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well said. Uh, Stephen, what about you? Final thoughts? Uh, same. Um, yeah, I that to me is the most perfect saying for this football program that he could have developed at the beginning of this season is trust mm-hmm. the climb. So uh, I like what I'm seeing out of the team. I especially like what I'm seeing out of the coach and the coaching staff. Uh, I do trust the climb. And I think Neil Brown is the guy, not only now, but I feel like Neil Brown is the guy that's going to be there for a decade of, of Mountaineer football or more. Yeah decade of uh, great success I think you know after he lays this foundation and gets the program where he wants it to be so I, I echo both of your guys thoughts as well and just uh, just trust the climb that's that's what we'll leave it with uh, trust the climb indeed so having said that that will wrap up this Texas Tech recap episode of the Country Roads webcast we'll be back later this week to preview the upcoming game against the Kansas State Wildcats uh, do us a favor follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads follow almost seven athletics on Twitter at AH athletics WV subscribe to the podcast on any platform you like Google podcast Apple podcast Spotify pocket cast wherever you find podcasts you can find the Country Roads webcast just search for us there subscribe to us and share us as we continue to try and grow through Mountaineer Nation. And until next time, for Stephen and Bradley, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. And as always, let's go Mountaineers. Oh, hey.